episode 53, Functional Nutrition and How to Look Good Naked. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we are Dr. Debbie Bright Perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back. When I recorded this, you'll notice that the quality is a little weird at the beginning, then most of the middle is fine, and then the end switches up a little bit. Sorry about that. Things happen, I guess. But today we have Dr. Debbie Bright. She has an amazing story. Near the end of the episode, we talk about her bankruptcy, how that happened, and tips to avoid that for anybody else. But also it became the catalyst for her brand, Look Good Naked. She is mega trained in in different rehab techniques, but also ended up having a huge passion for nutrition and then functional nutrition and gut health in her 21-day program. You should find this episode quite good and educational about what nutrition can do, different aspects about that, and then some advice, like we said earlier, about for students and for people who are struggling and um, yet again, an online business atmosphere to help you supplement income. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash five three. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live again from the great country of the USA. It's a doctor's perspective. And today we have a San Diego doctor, Debbie Bright. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, thank you, Dr. Justin, for having me. Absolutely. I think before we should begin, a congratulation is in order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just got married, actually. I think that's where you're going, right? <laughs> it is. Uh, how was that? Um, it was absolutely amazing. My husband surprised me with fireworks. So if you get any pictures of me on social media, it's it's worth a good laugh because I was shocked. <laughs> wow. Fireworks like the 4th of July. It was just like that. Wow. Well, I'm impressed. That's pretty cool. Uh, well, let's jump in. Now you're married, but before then, and before you became a doctor, what drew you to that profession and why did you become a doctor of all the things you could be? That's a good question. Um, probably initially, I was afraid to ever pursue being a doctor because I thought it would be too hard, right? And then I was kind of looking at going to physical therapy school and I got into contact with a childhood hood friend who was at Logan. And he was like, you know what, you have a lot of freedom as a doctor. I really think you would be good at this. You should come here. So I interviewed, got accepted, had never been to a chiropractor and was all of a sudden going to chiropractic school. And kind of the root cause behind that motivation, I think was watching my dad as a child, like he went through two back surgeries, he was put on disability. Um, he became our stay at home dad and never worked again and always lived in chronic pain. And I also had a brother that dealt with migraines. He had to take a medication three times a day, all of his life. He was denied going his acceptance to Annapolis because of this need for this medication, which he later ended up, um, kicking to the curb and saying, you know what, I get migraines regardless of using this. So it's just kind of a whole mix of like, why do some people need medicine? Why do some people live in pain and wanting to be, to be able to help others, right? And then fast forward a little bit, I graduate chiropractic school and I've got 
you know, a full interest invested in doing like sports rehab. And I went to a 10 year high school reunion and I noticed that everyone had gained a significant amount of weight, were on tons of medications and they were only 28 years old. And so from there, that pushed me into furthering uh, my education with my master's in nutrition and kind of catapulted me into doing functional medicine. So there you go. That's all of that in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you went and got your master's. We're both chiropractors. I felt like my nutrition program was uh, pretty strong. Um, so when you go to a master's program and do functional medicine, is that like a specialty within that program so that you can treat like diabetes and hypertension at a more superior level? Or what, what kind of things did you learn there? So I would say it's kind of yes and no, right? Like, you don't go into a nutrition pro well, there's like no university period for functional medicine. It's very oh. new and it just came about in the last like 19 years. And I know that sounds like a long time, but it takes about 17 years before doctors will put new science into practice. So it's fairly a new thing and they are developing different educational programs and whatnot, but it's kind of all just personal study, right? Like personal choice, like postgraduate work. Now the nutrition program was just simply a nutrition program, just, mm -hmm. you know, to go further down the rabbit hole and to have a better understanding of what nutrition is and, and clinical nutrition and whatnot. Um, but it's not like I walked out of it like, oh, I feel so great at being able to treat diabetes or certain autoimmune conditions. It's just, using functional medicine above and beyond to kind of grasp a better understanding of how the body works and then being able to plug and play like, you know, where do patients have nutritional deficiencies and, and what foods are causing them inflammation in their body. So it's just a new, uh, I think we'll see in our lifetime better at it. Yeah. Yeah. How does that differ from say functional medicine versus functional nutrition? Because don't the medicine people try to go nutraceutical, or are they still just kind of more doing drugs? I think it depends on what your background is. Like if you if you were a functional yeah. medicine MD, then there will be times that an MD will use his toolbox of, of pharmaceutical therapy, right? And as a chiropractor, that's not something that we can do, but we can use, we can still order the same blood labs that they order. We can still run, you know, under our licensure, all the same exams, and then opt for, is it something we can treat in-house with nutraceutical therapies? Or there are times that I would definitely refer a patient out. Maybe they've got some kind of chronic, out-of-control parasite activity in the gut and they need an antibiotic. Then by all means, you know, amongst all the professions, it's what does this patient need and who's best opt to treat it? There's so many different types of supplements, supplement companies. When you're looking at that, is there any way to evaluate a, a, com a company that is actually worthwhile? Because, you know, some companies you're paying $60 and you're like, why, why is this 60 when, you know, there's another brand out there that's only 40 or 80. And how, so how do you, is it just price or what's, what's some of the rules that you use to, to evaluate a company? So for me, I'm personally not going to use a company that's not okay. considered professional grade and professional grade means that they 
would market only to physicians and they guarantee that what is in their products are what they say is in their products and they guarantee that they have the highest bioavailability to the body, right? So some people will go and get a chalky vitamin from any old GNC, Costco types of places and it might actually have the nutrient mm-hmm. value in it that it says, but it's not in a form that's most absorbable by the body. And therefore, people are just urinating right. out their vitamins, right? They're wasting their money and it's not providing any nutritional value to the body whatsoever. Um, I personally work with a company called Designs for Health. And they're developed by functional medicine physicians for functional medicine physicians um, I can see what's in the products. They guarantee that everything's organic, that it has high bioavailability, and they're synergistic formulas, meaning that you know certain vitamins will compete with other vitamins for absorption. So they want to deliver the highest top quality product that's best for your body. And I feel comfortable using those products with my patients. Do you have an opinion on um, organic fruit and vegetable-based products that give you what you're looking for versus the synthetic versions that are built in a lab? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this kind of sounds like a Monsanto question, right? <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, because there's like Centrum and there's not a – that's all chemical-based. And then there's something like um, – what is it? Garden of Life where all the stuff's kind of based on fruits and vegetables. But then it looks – the label at least looks like it still breaks it all down. So you're like, this, this was a multivitamin. It still looks like it, but it just happens to be fruits. Well, I would definitely say that you want to opt for whole food-based products far before you would ever go for anything that's synthetic, right? All right. So at this point, you've been doing this for a while. What what classifies as your specialty? Um, I would say primarily patients come to me for weight loss. And secondarily, through my programs, they find that they're able to improve their autoimmune conditions. So first, weight loss, and secondarily, oh, autoimmune that's health. That's pretty cool. Do you have uh, like mm-hmm. thirty day or ninety day like programs that people can sign up for, and you kind of track them and guide them? Yeah. So, yep. So, um, I own a brand called Look Good Naked, which initially was kind of started as just a funny hashtag on social media, but it like really became something. And now people around the world recognize this brand and they call it LGN. And so the LGN program is a 21 day gut health reset program where we take patients off of gluten, soy, dairy, eggs, corn, sugar, peanuts, and artificial sweeteners. And then we add very nutrient dense, um, like a meal replacement shake in the morning. And then we have them eat combinations of protein, healthy fats and fiber from lots of vegetables so that they can reset their hormones and control their blood sugar. And then within that, they start sleeping better. They decrease inflammation in the body. They try to re-inoculate their healthy gut bacteria with the use of a probiotic and, and feeding the probiotic prebiotics, which is food that that healthy bacteria thrives on. And in that amount of time, people get really amazing results. They're able to decrease their need for cholesterol medication, psoriasis medication, uh, you name it. 
we're seeing improvements in the program in as little as 21 days. Are they able to um, gradually introduce these products back into their life? After their 21-day period, I often tell them to reintroduce one food group at a time. So let's say um, they opt for dairy and to have that food in each meal of the day for four days and then to just track how they feel. Do they feel tired, fatigued? Do they get headaches? Does their skin break out with acne? Mm -hmm. Are they constipated? Do they have diarrhea, gas, bloating? And they take note and then they try to, to, you know, figure out what exactly it is out of those top eight pro-inflammatory foods that they react to the most. But, you know, to be honest, I'm really trying to encourage that they keep, you know, the, the top heavy hitters like gluten and dairy, very limited or out of their system completely. Yeah. Cause if there's certain, like dairy is that's sometimes a tough one and then, uh, gluten. But like you said, if you can get the rest of them out of there or just those two and focus really hard and put your energy into that, you could see far reaching results. If you introduce nuts or something else that might be, uh, a little less, less inflammatory in the, in the short term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, what would you say to people who are like, you are a granola-eating crazy person. Gut health doesn't have this much effect on us. What Do, you, what, do people say that? Because it seems I hear that sometimes or I read that sometimes and I'm like, guys, <laughs> come on. There's, there's more to it. So do you ever hear that? And how can you address that kind of question? Well, if they are denying that gut health is important, then I honestly feel very sorry for those individuals and their lack of knowledge about how gut health is basically all health to the body. Um, it's, it's new. I can't blame them, right? It's not like we're taught this in kindergarten or, you know, it's kind of something that we have to, to study on our own, but it's where science is shifting um, there's so many great results when you utilize gut health, you know, whether it's clearing skin rashes and acne and conditions like that, all the way to putting, you know, an autoimmune conditions, um, what's the word I'm looking for into yeah. remission. Um, yeah. So, well, of course, you know, on social media, it's really easy to, to post about this kind of stuff to get attention and then give it the attention it deserves and then have pe like people call me like a food monger. They say all kinds of crazy stuff and that it's nonsense yeah. and, and well, absolutely. And it's like, okay, well, I'm sorry that you're missing the boat because this really is that important. And there's plenty of research and science and labs that suggest otherwise. Right. I was listening to some podcast and they were super, ketogenic and all this kind of stuff and um they went to like i don't know italy or something and they kind of ate some of the bread there and they were kind of freaking out like oh my gosh am i gonna have you know three weeks of torture after this because i've been off bread for so long and they're like i really didn't have that issue and they thought it might be the type of flour or millet or whatever it is that they use to make the breads right so you could go to Europe and pretty much have bread and pasta and your gut will not explode like it would if you're consuming it in the What's U.S. And the, <laughs> right. And the main difference is the way that the wheat is processed. So in the United States, they are heavily soaking the wheat down with 
a product called glyphosate, which is, um, it's Roundup, basically. And Dr. Stephanie Sinneth has done a lot of research on this, and she has found that, you know, this is kind of, this is where Monsanto meant to develop something that, you know, helps protect the plants, right? And they say it has no effect on the human body and it's supposed to kill all the insects and bugs and whatnot. But what's really going on is that we're consuming this wheat soaked with glyphosate and it is killing off our healthy gut bacteria. Mm. And the reason it's not supposed to affect a human is because we lack something called the shikimate pathway that insects and other plants and bugs have that we do not, but what they're getting where they're getting it wrong is that our healthy gut bacteria does contain a shikimate pathway, and therefore they are susceptible to being killed off by the Roundup. And so the wheat processed in the U.S. contains a lot of the glyphosate, and that's what's causing us so many problems. Do you agree with FOS being either in your probiotic or taking that like a spoonful a day or something? So. FOS, you, are you just saying like probiotics in well, general? I think it's the prebiotic uh, fructo allegrosaccharide, FOS. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, well, you definitely, if you're going to take a probiotic, you want to have prebiotics to feed your probiotic or it's not going to do you any good to introduce bacteria into your system, but it has no food to eat, up, yeah. eat right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I just, I, I think that's important and I didn't know if um, if I'm alone in that or... If it's just not that as not that serious as I as I used to think it was, because it seems like a lot of people take probiotics in this. Probiotic. I'm like, these are like, like how do you even know they're good? How do you? What's a, do you have like a top two brands of probiotics? By the way, well, like I said, I work with Designs for Health, and one thing that um, I've learned about their probiotic is that they have something called a BioTrack technology, and it's basically a coating that will help the probiotic um, make it survive yeah make it survive the stomach acid and 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 the long journey to the colon where there's the in the healthy bacteria is supposed to flourish and so a lot of these cheaper made probiotics or probiotics that that do not even require refrigeration you're just basically spending money to eat dead bacteria it's not going to survive the stomach acid let alone the shelf life so it's really important to make sure that you're voting with your dollar on a high-quality probiotic. Okay. Yeah, because I think I got something in the mail, and it was talking about a, a patented, I want to say genetically, and I don't want to say genetically enhanced, but they're enhanced somehow so that they can actually like survive and make it through. So I was just curious if, um, but yeah, you said designs for health, so that's good to know that you get what you pay for sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So you're a chiropractor, you're, you're dabbling down functional medicine. What are some of the mm-hmm. misconceptions that you are encountering in your profession that you would like to set straight today? Hmm, that's a good question. So I think there are two misconceptions that come to mind. And one deals with the general public and one actually deals with chiropractors themselves. So the first one is with the general public is, and I think you can agree to this, is that sometimes people will say, that we're not real doctors Mm -hmm. and they simply are meaning that we, because we do not use pharmaceuticals to heal pain or improve health. Mm -hmm. Right. And instead we use, you know, manipulation, 
um, soft tissue therapy, nutrition, nutraceutical therapy, and lifestyle medicine to improve chronic illnesses and pain, they they kind of can't grasp the difference. It's as if like one doctor, because they use drugs, is better than other doctors who are well versed in their um, what therapy of choice. As if it's like one is better than the other, right? And pharmaceuticals are just that next plane that only the few can handle. Exactly. You know, conventional medicine, right? Your MD, you have an ailment, you go to your doctor, they write you a script, right? Mm-hmm. That that's more conventional medicine. That's more of of the MD side. And you know, I think conventional medicine is great for emergency care. You know, it's just, however, it's not it doesn't offer any cures for chronic illness. And, you know, we see this every day with our patients and the systems, it's kind of a, it's a broken system to be honest, you know, a pill for an ill long-term doesn't lead to any type of a healthy lifestyle. And so, you know, that's just one that the general public doesn't, you know, necessarily look at us like we're real mm. doctors. Um, secondly, I think that many chiropractors don't fully understand what I'm doing personally with functional medicine um, they cannot always grasp that, you know, why am I not performing chiropractic manipulations or soft tissue rehab? And some have even said like, oh, you know, you wasted your education and all that time and money. And I have to point out to them that it was the chiropractic medical education that got me licensed to be able to, you know, order my functional medicine labs and do the nutrition therapy and use the nutri- the professional grade nutraceuticals, you know, as I want to help patients heal their ailments and their chronic pain conditions and their autoimmune diseases. Oh, so you're a mixed tour that doesn't even adjust. Uh, you know, I did. I, I would not say never. Um, but I had to transition out of practice last March when we kicked off the look good naked program, because it just grew so rapidly that I had to step out of my manual therapy practice to be able to run. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it really is because, you know, I went to school to be a chiropractor and then here I am practicing in a much different way. And by no means, like I'm, I'm absolutely still a fan of of sports rehab and it's just a great tool to have in my back pocket. And when I need, you know, my own, when I have my own pain conditions, I'm by all means like knocking on my chiropractor buddy's doors and getting adjusted and, and getting the soft tissue work. So yeah, it just kind of worked out that way for me. What kind of sports background do you have? Um, so I like personally, or like with the patients that I would work with. More, well, more personally, because it sounds like you were uh, an ex athlete. Um, I ran track, and I have since now. I mean, fast forward, I'm 32, so all the way up into you know what do I do now. Um, I've got a personal trainer. I am Strength Matters kettlebell certified as an instructor. Um, I box. You know we hike mountains. Um, we still sprint. We do all that good fun stuff. I just came from um, my sister in law owns two spin studios in San Diego. So I just came before this podcast. I went spinning in her gym. So it's just about trying to stay active, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So this is something that I've been. I've heard people talk about and you go to school, like you said, you've learned all the pathology, the physiology, what's normal. But then our bread and butter, of course, is adjustments and soft tissue. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you transition out of that. Did you wrestle with, I don't, I don't know what the right word might be, guilt or like, not shame, because that would be weird, but not necessarily weird, but 
you know you're going to probably be judged by your colleagues. Mm-hmm. It kind of might feel like, I just th- did I throw away my money if I'm not doing this? So what d- did you have anything that you wrestled with when you were transitioning out of that? And how did you reconcile if it was any kind of anything? <laughs> um, you would probably laugh if you could see my office right now. I have a home office that I built into the condo. Cause, so what that kind of looked like was initially I was in a, a physical therapy clinic, a very large clinic. Then I transitioned to a kettlebell gym. And from there, I started building out the online look good naked community. And I left the kettlebell gym and I'm sitting in, in my condo and I have a home office that has posters of the musculoskeletal system, all of my DNS, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, um, rehab posters, everything's on the wall. So to say like, did I have trouble transitioning? Like, absolutely. I also have instructed for Hawk Grips in the past um, for their instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation tools. They're sitting They're on here the on show. My, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, very nice. I love them. Yeah. I never want to lose the skill set. And on occasion, I will still take rehab patients, like if they've worked with me in the past. Right. Um Yeah, there's mad respect for the profession. Definitely put lots of time and energy into it to be ART certified, all the DNS work, all the Hawk Group certifications. Um, But yeah, I kind of had to draw a line in the sand. And I ended up letting, I think the final straw was like, towards the end of the summer, I let my um, NCMIC malpractice insurance go. And I had to say, okay, (gasps) yeah, I know. I had to say, okay, this online business is just growing exponentially and it needs my time and energy. And so I have to say, like, I started, I started saying no and sending patients to some of my, my colleagues around San Diego. And they, they were like, Hey, what's going on? Your business must be doing well because you're sending me, you're sending me your patients, <laughs> right? Right. Like, uh, what's going on over here? Exactly. So yeah, it's hmm. been, it's, it was a difficult transition for sure. Yeah. Well, then you were saying so. You did a lot. You did a lot of post grad rehab stuff too. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Well, this is a this is a tough transition. Not really a tough transition, but it's. I think you might have covered some of this. So when we look at our unique abilities our mindsets and our strategies. What's setting you apart from the competition? That's a good question. Um, you know, I try to live according to a landmark worldwide distinction called commitment versus attachment. And it mainly just brings to mind to stay committed to an overall outcome or purpose and to not be attached to like the opinions or setbacks along the way, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, Functional medicine is very personal. I just believe in this type of healthcare. It's it's something that's worked for me. I get to see it work daily, you know, with my patients. And I kind of feel like if you don't walk your talk, like no one's ever going to take you seriously, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just for example, like my labs, like when it just, it's about kind of like, I've ran my own functional medicine labs. I just have a high interest in this type of practice. And, you know, just one example that comes to mind is like, I react to white potatoes. And it's like people, you know, if you have a French fry here and there, it's like, well, 
it does hurt. And for me, that's going to be fatigue or constipation and a headache later. And so I think like one thing that sets me apart is just being able to walk the walk, put my foot down, just be in a space to stand your ground, um, to put that, instill that into your patients, you know, what that looks like and being able to kind of transform your room or the dinner table, your friends and family and to speak openly and proudly about what it is that you do and then just enrollment, right? Getting them enrolled and, and on that path and helping change lives. That's true. You know, I had, uh, it was not published yet. It was kind of one of those podcasts where you hear new research that comes out and they had mentioned something. Um, when you eat a, like a bag of fries, we just think of, I'm going to just cheat today. It's, you know, like you said, it's not really going to bother me that much, but eh, maybe I'll feel kind of crappy for the next day or so, but then I'll be back on my diet and it's fine. And they were actually measuring the, the lumen of the arteries and how they respond and everything. Wow. It took 24 hours to recover from one bag of fried french fries compared to i forget it was like if you had a carb or if you had a a cookie or something like that it was just a couple of hours Mm -hmm. and it was just saying like when you use these vegetable oils and especially if it's old vegetable oil and it's not changed like it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. how long it takes for your body to actually rebounce back and to function correctly and isn't it amazing how for you and i because we know this stuff I would say I'm never going to say a cheat day doesn't exist or a cheat meal or whatever. But I'm on a cheat month. Yeah, it's so far and few between for us, and where like our patients eat like this every meal of every day, right? And then they mm-hmm. wonder why they're in such ill health, and this is it. It's like they try to find these reasonings for cheating to be okay, and it's really, I mean, you're. You're pointing out the science and the research right there. It's It does have drastic, long-lasting effects on the body. Think about how many times you talk to a patient that you want to convert to maintenance care. And that could be anything from once a month to every three months, whatever you, you subscribe to. And they, they don't get it. And after maybe the second or the third time they have a flare-up, then they finally are like, oh, is there any way to prevent this? And you're like, yeah, that thing I was mentioning before. You just come in every now and then and you won't actually have these, you know, these flare ups quite as, you know, as often and may not be as intense. <laughs> it, it, it's really hard to convince somebody at all. It's like they have to come to the, the conclusion themselves. Agree with that statement? Oh, I absolutely agree with it. And that's with whether it's food related, diet related or, you know, pain and, and tissue, movement patterns, whatever. You're absolutely right. I will get text messages emails, Facebook, whatever from patients. And it'll be like, oh, I went here and I'm feel- I ate this and I'm feeling lousy. What do I do? And I'm like, it's the same thing I always tell you to do. Take X, Y, and Z out of your diet, supplement with these certain products that help your gut. It's like, I think they expect there's always a new answer or some new thing they need to try. And it's like, let's just keep it really simple and rein it back in right? And mm-hmm. you, it's like, let's do what made you feel better in the first place and do that ongoingly. Absolutely. I'm Dr. Dr. Bright, I want some bread pudding. And by golly, I need you to have a, a pill for me to take so I can eat this without it affecting me. Oh my gosh. You know, they do make digestive enzymes that help, but it's for accidental ingestion of gluten or dairy. And maybe it's like the size of a thumbnail, right? And I just ran labs on a patient. 
she's super reactive to dairy in all forms, whey protein, milk, chocolate, cheese, you name it. And yeah. And I mean, we're talking highly reactive. So she has acne, bloating, you know, if she doesn't get this under control now, this could be an autoimmune disease 20, 30 years down the road. And I watch her take digestive enzymes and then load a cup up with C's candy. That's just not, it's like full of dairy and milk chocolate. And I'm like, (laughs) like it doesn't work that way. You know, like we've got to get this behavior under control. And at that point it's more of a behavioral issue than what it, you know, than we can present the evidence, but they have to put it into practice. And like you said, I don't know if there's evidence strong enough yet to say, what you just said, like 20 years from now, it could become an autoimmune disorder. But it sure seems like that's the trend that we're going to find out in 10 or 20 years. Like, oh, there was a direct link. Look at that. There actually is a lab test now. It's called, it's an autoimmune reactivity screen by Cyrex. And they can test your blood and see what tissue you're developing antibodies to. And then you can take it further outside that and run your food sensitivity screens and see what you're reactive to. You can run chemical sensitivity screens and see what, you know, lotions, perfumes, household cleaners, what what of that are toxic to your body. And ideally, you remove these things and correct nutritional deficiencies, and you should be living a pretty healthy life of, you know, long, vital, energetic, good life. So yeah, it's it does exist. They've um there's been some studies done where it was a Dr. Arbuckle and she went and looked up patients that had were diagnosed with lupus that had been in the military. And so she, you know, if you're in the military, you get blood drawn all the time. And so she requested to go look at 134 or so individuals who had lupus and they found that the antibodies were present in their blood up to nine years before they were diagnosed. Come so, on, that's wild. I know. So you're right. I think it's our lifetime in the next 10, 20 years, we're going to see all of this shift and people are going to be able to, you know, prioritize the health as a choice. And they're going to be presented with this information that's genetically, um, it's very individualistic to them, and then they get to choose what path they want to take. Agreed. I, one of the time I used um, Alcott for allergy testing, that company, and uh-huh. I think some people were uh, poo-pooing that company a little bit, and I was just like, well, I don't really know who else to use. <laughs> that could be a secret sauce of yours of which labs you're using, what tests you're using, but for those doctors who might be interested in testing themselves or already kind of um, on this path and they just wonder what lab, what labs are you, are you, if you want to tell us, what labs are you using? Yeah, so I use Cyrex. Um, I think they're great for the autoimmune screens, the chemical sensitivity screens, and I use them for the food panels as well. There's mm. a new one out, um, Vibrant America and Vibrant Wellness. So one's more kind of conventional based and one's more side of the lab is functional medicine based. Um, they've got a wheat zoomer lab that is supposed to have a lot of new technology that looks at, I want to think, I want to say Cyrex looks at like 10 different types of gluten sensitivities and that this one looks at maybe 25 or so. So it's just, it's the newest one out on the market that's supposed to have some pretty good reviews. Um, for hormone testing, um, there's one called the Dutch test 
which checks your hormones at different times throughout an entire day, which gives you a good um, screen. And then I use diagnostic solutions. They pair with Designs for Health. Um, I want to say they're kind of like a sister company, and they, they do the stool lab so you can see if there's um, you know, viral, bacterial, parasitic activity in the stool, and then they can pair you with the right supplements that will help you treat it. So those are the ones that I'm currently using right now. Well, I'm glad you answered because that I haven't heard of any of those companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. Now, when we're talking about students, when we're talking about young doctors, or they could be an old doctor who are trying to figure out what they want to do, and maybe they're struggling. Do you have any advice for those types of individuals? Absolutely. So I think it would be fair enough for me to share that my very first practice actually bankrupt me. You know, and I'm yeah, and and I'm here to be completely honest because coming straight out of school, I left St. Louis, Missouri, to come to California as an independent contractor for zero dollar salary to start my own practice in a place where I knew virtually no one other than a few chiropractors that I had gone to school with. Um, and it was just not knowing how to, to be heard, how to speak to patients, how to get them into the office. And since then, you know, a game changer for me was really utilizing the media of today. And so that's essentially social media, right? Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, they're all very big. Um, but it's a way of getting your voice heard. And, you know, it's going to resonate with your followers. And then, of course, there's going to be people who are going to be there that are going to pick on you, right? So you're going to have to grow mm-hmm. a thick skin, right? And be prepared. And if I could just tell, like, students as they're coming through school, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have been posting daily about, you know, the amazing rehab techniques I was learning and the nutritional information I was learning and what nutraceuticals pair with what and And just kind of developing that voice. So by the time you walk out of school, you already have such a following that you'll just have people lined up at your door when you open shop, right? And then, you know, my second piece of advice for anyone is just be impeccable with your work, right? Your image is everything. So have a clear understanding of what it is you want the public to know about what you do, how you do it. And don't be afraid to share People want to know that you're real. So be vulnerable, you know, share who you are on, you know, on occasion, on the weekends or with your family, because people want to know, like, and trust you. And they want to understand your image and what you're about. So, yeah. Very good. Do you mind if we chat about this bankruptcy thing? Because I think people can learn something from this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I'm here to help. Yeah. How long did you last before you realize like I just this hole's too deep and there's no way I'm going to get out of it was there one or two maybe obvious mistakes that you could have you would do differently now or um, any lessons learned in in that arena there's a lot of struggling doctors out there yeah so to be it's kind of funny long story short was that I tell people I got my master's degree in nutrition by accident and people are like well how do you get a master's by accident right it's a lot of work Well, when I got out of graduate school, the DC program, I knew I was moving to San Diego, but I also knew I needed money to support myself. So I stayed enrolled in school to continue having student loan checks to pay bills and help just get me going, you know, until the practice could pick up. Yeah, I heard of that tactic before. (laughs) Yeah, I think actually it's more popular than we really want to 
you know, let on. Um, but with that too is credit, you know, credit cards and getting in over my head in credit card debt. And it was really easy to go to a bank. And when you have letters after your name, they will approve you for high amounts of loans. And the next thing you know, you're just buried deep in credit card debt and student loan debt. And there's not a lot of, you know, I didn't have a lot of income coming in. I think I made it, I want to say like 18 months or so. And then I threw the towel in. And, yeah. you know, is kind of, is my credit wrecked for seven years? Well, absolutely. And I think I filed like three years ago. So I've got another four to live out. But it is what it is. And it cleared some of that debt up. And then I had to kind of get past being attached to like, maybe that that meant I was a bad person or something. And like, in reality, it doesn't mean that you're anything. It just, for me personally, it was a smart choice. It got me you know, where I could get my head above water and start my look good naked online business. If I could do it all over again, you know, it's kind of hard to say that maybe I shouldn't have jumped <laughs> off the highest cliff and moved to San Diego for no income. But I think that it's okay for doctors to work other jobs. Gosh, mm -hmm. there's so many people now that take advantage of, you know, driving for Uber or Lyft when they're, you know, they, you could do that when you're not seeing patients. There's other ways to make ends meet while you're trying to buy time to grow your business, right? Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, because that's the worst case scenario. You went, you tried, you failed. I mean, that's that's what we're all feared. Like, oh, I'll go bankrupt. And yeah. I'm still alive and I'm still paying my bills. But to speak to your point, if you have a 1000 to $1,200 student loan bill, a $200,000 bank loan to build your own clinic out and buy brand new equipment. That's another two or 3,000. You're looking at what, what is that? Like 3,000, 4,000 just personally that you have to make just not even to have a house yet. And then on top of that, you got rent for your business and all those other expenses. Oh my gosh. I know. You know, that ends up being a lot of patients per month. It does. And I've known colleagues of mine just starting out who got a practice and maybe they had two treatment rooms and they they lived in one of them they slept in one of their treatment rooms and they just kept it you know you just kind of keep quiet about it but I think yeah I think it's it's just about having like let your pride go right if you mm -hmm. you have to start somewhere and you need to make ends meet and so it's about limiting try to limit you're spending. You don't always need the absolute best, most expensive treatment table on the market, right? It's just mm -hmm. start with what you have and just get out there and get your voice heard and get your message out and get patients in the door and just always be confident. Like you don't have to impress anyone, just be yourself and get, try to get ahead of that, the money game, you know? Yeah. Get one hot grip instead of all 13 of them. <laughs> yeah. Or in my case, I happened to have met the Frank, the owner of Hot Grips in Vegas, and I chased him around and like, I want to, I want to help you guys out, you know, never be too proud to go. If you want to go to a seminar or whatever, maybe you contact the owner, you know, and offer them something of value. Tell your story, tell them where you're at, that you respect what they do. And I ended up getting, um, I got my tool set for free because I worked for Hot Grips. You know, I worked with them. So, yeah, it, yeah it's just, you've got to be willing to share your story 
and be vulnerable and just, you know, I think the best advice someone ever gave me was that when you're poor, you ask for help. And, you know, when you're making it, you demand the help, but you're always making the request, right? Right. First things first. Mm -hmm. And you might enjoy this part of the, the interview, marketing. You've already given us a little glimpse into what you're doing, but would you share any, maybe one or two tactics that are really working for you or that you could see just the regular Joe chiropractor doing to maximize their online presence or in any other fashion? You know, I have to be honest. I haven't paid for any outside advertising for, for my Look Good Naked brand as of yet. And it's, yeah, it's all come from utilizing free social media and I make posts. I use, um, I use a program called Canva. It's online. Mm -hmm. You, it helps you make really neat, clean ads, social media, any, anything that you basically need. They have a template laid out, whether it's a heading for Facebook or an Instagram post or a flyer, like whatever it can be. They've got really great marketing layouts. And I, I mean, I use those all day long. Right. And mm -hmm. I just try to post consistently and I stick to the rule of creating value. So like, sure. I want people to register into my programs and purchase my products and they do, but first you need to deliver free content and create value. So be willing to teach them something. Um, do videos. Gosh, if a, a picture is worth what a thousand words or whatever the saying is, then I mean, a video is worth so much more. So just, and then the next biggest thing is like, if you're going to capitalize on your social media advertising, always, always, always have a call to action. So at the end of an Instagram post, you know, I either ask them to follow me or to click my link in bio so that they can access an article or a product I'm pushing or my look at naked program. And, you know, you just make sure you capitalize on that ask and don't lose them at just the like, like always be willing at the very end of something to put that call to action in and it'll help grow your following and it'll help push traffic to wherever it is that you want them to go. Yeah. But wouldn't it be nice if Instagram allowed clickable links? It would be so great. What is their deal? I just, don't Just stop it. All you have to do is in your in your profile put the link you want them to go to and then make sure you just put point put a little arrow emoji, add emojis in. People love emojis. Add an emoji in with an arrow like link in bio or click link in bio so it can at least shuffle them over. But I do understand what you mean because it's, you're always having to update that right per post and whatnot. Which is last, and I don't know about you, but I post one today. And so there's a good chance that tomorrow, unless I stick with something for like a week, I've got a podcast episode I'm trying to promote. I got t-shirts. I got a book. <laughs> I've got this. I've got that. I'm just like, man, I have to just put it in there or put it in the picture, you know, like, and just hope that maybe someone's like, oh, that's really interesting. Let me, what was that? Slash yeah. <laughs> yeah. t-shirt. Okay. I'll go to t-shirt on my own web browser. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's tr problematic a little bit, but like you said, you can, you just have to change it on a more regular basis and you'll be all right. Exactly. Oh goodness. <laughs> I'm scared to ask this question because you're probably going to blow everybody's mind. Ooh. What are some of your top f five or 10 year goals? 
Hmm, this is a good one. I was thinking about this one ahead of time when you sent me over the questions. You know, a year ago I got engaged and at first I was really worried that I had not yet launched Look Good Naked and I was worried that we had no income and a wedding that my husband and I, we knew we were going to take on paying for it ourselves. And everyone who knows me knows I'm all about an experience. So I'm all go big or go home. You know, if I knew I was going to have an extravagant wedding and we did 13 days ago, 13 days ago, you know, we had fireworks. Like I mentioned before, you know, it was that kind of amazing. It was that kind of go big or go home experience. That was like kind of helped catapult. It gave me some drive to help create Look Good Naked and really run with it. Well, in 2018, we want to buy our forever home. And, you know, I'm originally from Missouri where places do not cost what they cost in California. So we went and we toured some of these really amazing homes on top of this mountain in Rancho Santa Fe. And I'm like, I have to live here. Like I can't live anywhere else. So we literally have the goal of purchasing one of these homes in, you know, at some point within 2018, probably closer to the end of 2018 to be fair to us. Um, And, you know, we want to start a family. So I think like when people are motivated and they have something big that they want, you know, and yes, you have to be in the right mindset to believe that you can create it and that you do deserve it, then you're motivated to move mountains. And another big goal I have is to start my functional medicine fellowship in March 2018 through the Institute for Functional Medicine. And that's a really pricey course. It's a five-day course, and they're in cities all over the world. It's going to take some focus and some good financial planning to be able to make this happen. But I feel like the more I up my game and the better I help my patients to get their lives back and the more financial freedom I can have, and it's going to be a win for everyone. They get what they want, and I'm going to be able to get what I want. Very true. Are you ready to transition into a little bit more personal side of this? Yeah, interview? absolutely. Ooh, okay. We're solo doctors. We've got online businesses. We're just now married. How much vacation are you capable of taking? And is there a way to take more? <laughs> so I'm pretty lucky here. And then I'm not tied to a brick and mortar practice. Because I work from home, I really get to set my own schedule. And if there's Wi-Fi available, I can work which means I can work from wherever, which means I was running a Look Good Naked program while I was in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, having a destination wedding. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's good and bad. It, It can be hard to shut off sometimes. But yeah, I think that as long as we just plan it into our schedule, then vacation can be prioritized and it can happen for us, our household. My husband also runs a he runs a medical device and pharma recruiting company and so he also works from home oh oh yeah that's a great segue then because some men have an issue with successful women they might be okay with you working outside but all of a sudden now you have a job that's like 24 7 could be he could be the same way how do y'all balance that and uh make it to where there's harmony in, in the relationship uh that's a good lesson that we are trying to learn right now. Um, When you work from home and there's an iPhone by you and it lights up or your laptop's right there and we don't have kids yet, 
we often work a lot, I would say. Work can be constant, right? It's like we own a TV, it's never ever on. You know, instead we're on the laptops or I'm answering patient questions or doing a Skype consult or whatever, some posting something on social media and he's in the office taking calls, um, working with people in different time zones. I mean, you know, you know how that is, right? Oh man. Tell you what. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, we're learning as we go. There are times that we're just like, you know what, we got to just turn this stuff off. And I would say my husband is much better It's sticking to a schedule than I am. Um, He's really good at like he turns his phone off at a certain time. He reads every single night before he goes to bed. And I'm like the more sporadic one, right? Like I got to do this and I got to do that. And I don't care if it's morning or night or whatever. If it needs to get done, then I'm working on it. So I would say that it's, you know, as our relationship progresses, as we grow a family, there's going to be lessons to learn there for sure. Has he been doing this lifestyle longer than you have? Um, I would say we're right about on the same track. Uh, yeah, okay. he so he broke off and started his company, gosh, maybe a year and a half or two years ago. Okay, so y'all are both in the midst of trying to find your groove and how to balance everything. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I was curious. I was, he, maybe he's been doing this for like eight years. <laughs> he's like, ah. Oh, I was just like you for the first four. Yeah, you know? no, he used to go into an office and then he broke off and created um, National Source Recruiting. And so, yeah, we're both trying to figure out what this looks like to maintain normal working hours. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, you got look good naked. You got a whole bunch of going on. Do you have anything else? Maybe you don't have any kids either. So hobbies, volunteering or anything that you like to do that just uh, gets you grounded and, and ready? Hobbies. I would say that one thing that has really grounded me, gosh, and like really just been a good call that I made in my life was to hire a personal trainer because when I was developing Look Good Naked, um, I was working these crazy like 16-hour days in front of a computer and my basic movement was from bed to the couch with my laptop to bed. And this went on for quite a while and it got to where I was like super deconditioned and, you know, I'm, I've always been lean and my diet's pretty on point, but you should never overlook the benefits of like physical movement, whether it be just walking during the day or whatever. But I had to hire a trainer and, you know, just having to commit two to three times a week to no time on the phone, doing exactly what he tells me to do, pretty much getting my ass kicked. And it's been a really good good choice, right? And I obviously pay for that service. And it's just, it's some of the best money I've ever spent, to be honest. No, I'm with you. I When I was developing the podcasting, everything, you know, when you start a WordPress site from scratch, I was like, you know what, I want to learn this because I'm tired of having to be at the mercy of some web guy. Yeah. And if it breaks because you try to make something new, I was like, oh, no, it's broken. Now, I may not have much of an audience at that point, but I was like, but I know, and I don't want this to be broken. So I would stay up, and I tried to fix it, and the internet was slow. 
And uh, sometimes the you know the wife would leave and do her thing, and she'd come back, and I'm still, still there. in the same spot. And she's like, "Have you moved?" I was like, "Maybe I went to the restaurant." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep, I totally get it, and that's the whole uh, entrepreneurial, yeah. yeah, developing your own. And I'm with you on that. Like, <laughs> we're completely redeveloping drdebbiebright.com, and I want to have a new website to launch the new Look at Naked program and capitalize on all you know all the New Year's resolutions to be in better health and fitness and I'm right back to where I was like a year ago and I'm grinding it out right now and I totally feel you on that and you're right it's developing your own site and your own brand and making sure you know how it works and it is exhausting sometimes <laughs> oh well it's not a self-plug day but you know I've got a I got a new book that's dropping here and I've got like final touches to do and then I got to build out all the marketing for it <laughs> Now, some people might say, Justin, you weren't good in all the marketing like months ago. And it's like, well, no, I wasn't. <laughs> you know, I got lazy for a while. And, you know, there's all these different things. It's like, this is about to get crazy in my life mm -hmm. for probably 60 days while you just build everything out. And, you know, you're trying to capitalize on the plant, on the, on this. And I'm just kind of like, you know what? It'll happen when it happens. I'm not going to rush it and then do a, a poor job. And then I lose all this marketing dollars that I spend. But, um, it's it's a balance of what you what where are you at what are you going to do and then how much work is it going to take to get where you need to be and I think like you said if you're going to put the towers in get it done quick capitalize on the season yeah right? exactly it's it can be a little scary but no it's funny because writing a book is like I feel like that's eventually going to well it's on the list right and yeah. Oh my gosh, the time that goes into that, right? You literally just have to be committed to making something happen daily or you're never going to get from page one to whatever it is, you know, to the end. And you're right. You can have this great book sitting there, but unless you're willing to get out there and share it with the world, who's going to buy it, right? And I'm not a perfectionist at all. And it still takes longer than you expect. <laughs> oh, I'm almost done. Nope. Something else comes up. You think of something else. The editing process takes longer. You're like, this thing is never. It's this is why they have deadlines. Oh yeah, it's you have to have deadlines or things just would never get done. I'm with you on that. Oh yeah, definitely. Do you happen to have any favorite books, blogs, or podcasts that you secretly love, and some that you would definitely recommend for? You know, this one's not necessarily related to health, wellness, any of that. Although I would say from time to time, this podcast would definitely touch upon that. But I really, for some reason, like the podcast called The Art of Charm. And I want to say it's more for a male audience. At least it's kind of what I grasp because they'll offer different boot camps to try to help guys find confidence and dress well and and date and all this. But I'm just very, I don't know. I'm like, I love during my day to just hit play and see what they, who they're interviewing next or what book they're talking about or or world experience and I just feel like relatable and it's interesting and so yeah I would say you guys should definitely check it out all right my last one and it, this is fun we're addicted to our phones <laughs> what business or pleasure app can you recommend for us I love that you said addicted to our phones because um, my husband and I both installed I think it's called moment the moment app it will track your phone phone screen time and it will tell you where you're your, what apps you're spending most of your time on and it will send you mine sends me a reminder every 15 minutes for how often I'm on my phone 
And it's almost embarrassing to admit this. Like it really, I don't want you, that. Don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't because they say the average person spends three to four hours a day on their phone. And I was now I, I have this, the seven plus, so I've got the big one. I have been known to do more like seven to nine hours of work from my phone in a day. And I literally could barely believe it. And then you're supposed to be able to put yourself through a boot camp that will train you to be off your phone. And they recommend that you don't set the alarms that lock you out of your phone until you're more prepared for that. And I did it one day and it was like, I swear to God, it's like having a, you're going to have a mental breakdown because you like the, you pick your phone up and all these alarms and start ringing and dinging and going off like crazy until you close your screen again. It's intense, but I definitely have discovered I have a phone addiction beyond most phone addictions. It's pretty bad. <laughs> well, what's bad, what's bad is the apps are developing it for that reason. Oh, you want a Facebook live? Well, you can either download three programs on your computer or just use your easy phone. You want to do Instagram? Yeah. You can only post through your phone. I, know. I mean, and that's where I do all my work. So, yeah. Right. It's a challenge. But yeah, get that Moment app and then scare yourself to death with it. <laughs> oh, that'll be a, a disheartening day right there to know. You don't, you don't you know, like to pretend that you don't you're not on it that much. I, yeah, I just like ignore it every 15 minutes when it pops up now. I'm like, shh, just whatever. I know I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> It's making me money, phone. Exactly. <laughs> That's cool. Well, how can people get in more contact with you and see what's going on with your life? Um, well, because we're redeveloping drwbright.com, I would say your best bet is facebook.com slash drdebbiebright or instagram.com slash drdebbiebright. And that's D-R-D-E-B-B-I-E-B-R-I-G-H-T. And my email is also drdebbiebright at gmail.com. So I'm available, and then, yeah, from there, I'm, I like to think I'm pretty good, 24-hour response time, so hit me up. Very good. Thank you so much for dropping all this knowledge on us today. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show, Dr. Justin. It's been a pleasure. I've got some new things to talk about. Of course, you can always review us. Give us that five-star review on wherever you listen. But I got four new t-shirts. You know, there's chiropractors, some of them that just like to adjust. There's some like me who do rehab and, you know, decompression and cold laser, things like that. And we call us straights versus mixers. So I created some mixed tour shirts. Uh, they're supposed to be kind of tongue in cheek. Hope you like them. Also, the Atlas, I removed the dins. So therefore, check that out. Maybe you'll like that better. Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health Book version 2.0 is now out. We got nerve stretches, optimal calorie counter calculators, a section on fasting, and a big old section on how to budget and try to get your financial life in order. All the things that I talk about all the time. It's over 100 extra pages, so get it now. Bonus, my new hot off the presses book, Needleless Acupuncture, self-treatment guide for 40 common conditions is finally finished. It's been a in the works for quite a while. Stop the hurting with no needles or meds. Your roadmap to self-treat your conditions painlessly with needless acupuncture. It's got pictures, it has descriptions, it has, of course, the conditions, and I plan to have video tutorials soon. Just go to the website and check it out. Also on the website, look on the top right, all the social media icons are right there, whichever you like to follow me on, click that button and say hello. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. 
I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on adoctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.